walking through your problem. Praise the Lord. You can look at it as walking through difficulties. Walking through seemingly impossible circumstances and situations. Let's start by recalling Israel at the Red Sea. This, were, this was a new nation that was going to be battered. They had just basically fled. They were just been driven out of Egypt. Reality is that they didn't leave Egypt. They were, drove, they were driven out of Egypt. And now, thinking that they had, you know, they could put all of Egypt behind them, they find or they found themselves standing in the wilderness. Actually, that's not wilderness, it was wilderness of that water, right? But they found themselves facing this river or sea, the Red Sea. It was called the Red Sea, right? And in front of them, was the Red Sea. On this side was the mountains. And on this side, or coming behind them, was the host of Pharaoh running after them. I'm going to make this very, very practical. And I want you to imagine whatever circumstances or situation you can imagine this morning that seems like that to you. Simply put, any way you turn, you are guaranteed to lose. Any way you turn, it appears that you are guaranteed to lose. And that's where we are this morning. You want to turn right? You want to turn left? You're going forward, and yet, your only option is to say, oh, I give up. I'm done. I can't do this no more. So keep that image of Israel in front of you. That's the Old Testament example. We'll come back to it at some point. But let's go to the book of John and uh, let's see something similar. Remember I said I'm going to make this very, very practical. I really want you to apply this to you at every point in time. John chapter 6, reading from verse 1 to 13. Sometimes after this, Jesus crossed to the far side of the shore of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd, I'm reading John 6 from verse 1 to 13. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw, underline that, because they saw the miracles which he did on them that were diseased. They saw, and a great crowd, a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. I want to underline in your Bible, they saw. 
We're going to come back to that. They saw. Praise the Lord. Then Jesus went on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Imagine this is close to Christmas. I don't know what you celebrate the most. So me, every day is the same, really. Right? But the Passover is actually Easter. That's what we call Easter today, but it's still called Passover in the Jewish culture. Right? So it's Easter, and that's one of the, that's like the biggest Jewish celebration. And you have to be prepared for it. Now you have nothing at home. You know, you know that song? The landlord says the rent is due. <laughs> you know that song? Don't worry. Be happy. The mortgage company is calling you. Don't worry. Be happy. Everything seems to be like, what is wrong with me? Keep that in mind as well. When he looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, he said to Philip, <laughs> where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? When shall we buy bread that these people may eat? And this is said to prove him, for he already knew what he was going to do. He already knew what he was going to do. Amen. Um, Philip answered him, it would take more than a year's, more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each of them to have to a bite. Verse 8, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among the many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Underline that. Make the men sit down. Now there were as much grass in the place so that the men sat down in numbers, in numbers, about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaf and what did he do after he took the loaf? And Jesus took the loaf. Please focus and leave your phone on the side. And Jesus took the loaf and the five uh, barley uh, and the two small fishes. But what? But what they? Okay, sorry. And Jesus, where is that now? Verse um, eleven. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Verse twelve. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Remember where we started from? In the front was a red sea. It was a losing situation, right? Behind them was the army of Pharaoh. It was a losing situation. To the east or the west were mountains. So they had nowhere to turn. And here, decades or centuries later, we had Jesus almost in a similar situation in the desert. And people wanted to eat. In the first instance, Christ didn't even have to feed them, but it would be unfair of him to have let them come that far and not have made provisions for them. 
Interestingly, this same story is told in Matthew 14 and Mark chapter 6. The only difference I found is that in Matthew and Mark, they didn't talk about the small boy who had the bread. So what I'm trying to show you here this morning is this. Whenever you're faced with circumstances that seems daunting and overwhelming, the first rule of business is to calm yourself down. Calm yourself down. And think. That's not the time to talk. It's the time to think. Because when those people came, he sat there, looked up, and the Bible said 5,000 men stood in front of him. 5,000 men. That's quite a number of people. Quite a number of people. We don't know how many men, how many children, and how many young people, but we were told 5,000 adults. If they say men, they were adults. The underlining principle of what Christ was teaching us there is not the miracle. It's not the miracle. It's not about the miracles. They had seen this miracle in John chapter 5. They had seen it in, in the earlier part. We have seen that in the earlier part of Matthew chapter 4, 14 rather. We have seen the healing he had done. Right? But here, this is something that this was him put in a situation that seems beyond even his own natural ability. So the underlying principles here is that Christ is trying to teach us, you and me, that no matter how difficult the situation is, there is divine provision. You may not see it. I may not see it. But God will always come true for you. You may not know how. I may not know how. But if you set your heart to it, and you allow the spirit of God, in, in Romans chapter 8, it says, who knows the, the, the mind of God like the spirit of God? And that the spirit of God is the one that intercedes for us according to that which is in the mind of God. So when the Holy Spirit is praying for you, it's actually ministering to you what God's thoughts are concerning you. That's why if you speak in tongues, you've got to speak in tongues constantly because the Holy Spirit is speaking through you, not you, by you. I enjoy praying more in spirit. It's more easy for me. I can swing in, out, in and out. I don't bother doing what I'm saying. Just say it. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to take you back because I really want to understand what we're talking about this morning. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 22 from verse 1 to 8. In Genesis 22, reading from verse 1 to 8, we see the story of Abraham in verse 1 of that place. The Bible said, and now, and it came to pass after this time that God did tent. I don't like the way the, uh, uh, the King James translated tent, right? The custom seems to be a bad word, but rather it says, you know, that God did tent. Test. Instead of tempt, we look at the word test. Your faith will be tested. 
your faith, my faith, will be tested. And if we fail the test of our faith, then we don't move to the next level. Whether you like it or not, as Christians, we are in class every day. And periodically, God puts us to test. And you know the beauty of his test is testing us not because he wants to do that essentially, but he's testing us because when we pass that test, we move on to the next level. Without test, there can't be a testimony. Without a test of your faith, you don't have a testimony to talk about. Without them being at the, at the Red Sea, we don't know about the Red Sea parting. And so God said, look, you've been following me for a while. Now let's put this relationship to test. Now, I pray that God will not test you the way he tested him. Right? Everybody's test is different. Everybody's test is different. But that was a huge test right there. And I'm glad Abraham passed that test. I'm glad he did. And that person who sat through a beautiful test, and that's a test I also don't want to experience, because his own test lasted in human time one year. In the spirit realm, God knows, probably three minutes. Have you seen my servant Job? There's no one like him on the face of the earth. Wow. God just created problem for somebody. God just created problem for somebody. And somebody better pass that test. Praise the Lord. So in this case, we saw this guy having the need to pass this test. And he did pass this test, and he did very well passing this test. But that's not where we're going, so let's stay with this particular thing. And so we see in this case, when God had said his faith will be tested, his faith will be tested. Can you please let them in? His faith will be tested. And for him to test his faith, what we saw was very simple. He had asked him to sacrifice his own son. To sacrifice his son. Right? So let's go from verse 3. Early the next morning, Genesis 22 from verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Verse 4, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw in the, the, the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went and the two of them went on together. Now verse 7, interesting. Interesting. Your test will come. And it's my prayer that you will pass it. Your test will come and it's my prayer that you will pass it. Right? In verse 7, Genesis 22 verse 7. Isaac said unto his father Abraham. Hmm. I remember my first year of being married. That Christmas, I was broke. That, I don't think I've been that broke in my life since that day. I couldn't even get up in the morning. You know, when it was you alone, you can do anything, right? But here, I woke up around 4 a.m., and my wife was sleep, sleeping there, and there was no food. I'm telling you, there was no food in the house. 
An hour later, she kind of kicked me and said, what are we doing for Christmas today? And I said, I know there's nothing to do for Christmas. That's why I'm sleeping. Now watch that pray. My father, he said, here I am. And he said, behold, the fire. Behold, the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? The fire, the wood. Tell me, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now, faith is not something you just talk about. I, I, I get very irritated with Christians, right? Christians talk about the goodness of God, and then you look at them, and you can't even, they can't even smile. It's annoying. Because here this man was here with his 12-year-old son. The boy did not know that he was going to die. I bet you Abraham did not know that boy was going to die. But watch his answer in verse 8. In verse 8, Abraham answered him and said, God himself will provide the lamp for the burnt offering. Again, remember we started, we started by the Red Sea. So we're talking about walking through your problems. Right? We started by the Red Sea. The Red Sea was there. The mountains were here. And the host of Egypt was behind them. Anyway, they lost, right? Anyway, they lost. But I'm going to show you the miracle of the Red Sea that nobody's ever told you about. Here is this person who has waited on God, had his first child, actually his second child at 99, at 100, but God said, that's not the, the first one is not the one I want. This is the one I want. Now the boy is 12 years old. And I wonder how, how, I wonder how compliant Isaac is. Because Isaac could probably throw off Abraham, given the strength of being, being young. You get my point? But then, God has said to him, I need that boy from you. I will tell you something. Whatever you, when God wants something from you, whatever you hold on to is your own downfall. When God wants something from you, if you hold on to what God wants, you've just created your own downfall. Because if he had not in obedience made that sacrifice, he would not have been called the father of nations. Are you saying with me? And he said, God himself will make a sacrifice. It is not the fact that he said, it is the attitude. I can only imagine what the man was thinking. I remember preaching this message somewhere several years ago, and I was using, I had an interpreter, and I turned to him, I said, we're going to sacrifice your son. The guy almost slapped me. <laughs> like, no, no, I'm like, no, we're preaching. <laughs> Just stay with the message. So you can imagine what was going on inside this man. Everything seems to be like, God, I've waited for this long. I'm 112 years old, and I have to sacrifice this. Right? There are certain people in your life that have to go. You have to let them go. If they don't go, you're going to go back to square one. There are certain situations in your life you just have to close your eyes to. If you don't, that's all you continue to see. There are certain expenses in your life you just have to do. You can run, 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 run. You have to do it. Sometimes even in our life, we have to fight for bankruptcy. Oh, we may not want to do it. But what we hold dearly, sometimes that's where our downfall is. Now, let's go back to where we started from. John chapter 6, right? So we started from John chapter 6. Jesus said to Philip, 
I think in uh, Matthew, in Matthew, he had said, give them something to eat. And they had said to him, we can't. But I like this place. Interesting. How come 5,000 adult men were so stupid? 5,000 adult men. Stupid 5,000 adult men, including the 12 disciples. You know how I call them stupid? How can you go into the desert and not pack your own water and food? What happened to their brain? You followed somebody so much. You see how people follow people? I like fella. Follow, follow, pass it, pass it, under, under. They keep following, 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 following. They followed this man so much, the man wanted to go rest. Then they kept following him, forgetting that they have to eat. I actually don't think they forgot. You see, I got you. It was the Jewish Passover the next day. If they carried food, mind you, in Israel, the Passover starts at 6 p.m. You cannot be saved with food that has spices. There can be no salt, no sugar in the food you add. So basically, everybody was thinking he was going to give them the Passover meat, probably. Yeah, <laughs> smart, eh? <laughs> but now, the man, unknown to them, the Passover was actually the man himself. Now, that's where his attitude showed here, and that's where I want you to see. Wherever you have problems, stop thinking about you. Stop thinking about problem. It is not why am I here. It is not why is this happening to me. It is how do I get out of this situation. The principle of faith is believing. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. And so let's go back to that John chapter 6, uh, six again. Somehow... Somehow, there was one young boy in that group that had five small breads and two small fishes. That guy must eat a lot. For him to eat five bread and two fishes, the guy must be somebody who eats a lot. But is it not interesting? Now, let's look at this. Number one, I, I repeat myself. When faced with daunting and overwhelming situations, please, the question is never, why is this happening to me? The question is, how can I move forward from where I am right now in spite of everything in front of me? If you don't remember anything, remember, the Bible says, a light and momentary afflictions cannot be compared to the surpassing greatness of what lies ahead of us. If you look at your the Bible says, he who looks at the rain, at the sky, will not sow. So stop looking at what is in front of you. Look beyond that. Does that make sense? Stop looking at what is in front of you. Now, let me tell you something. Faith sees what is not in front of you. Faith sees what is further in front of you. And that's where the attitude comes in. Right? Think in terms of solution, not in terms of problem. So Christ said to them, hmm, let's feed them. And because he said, let's feed them, I don't know the conversation. Remember, the scripture is always distilled, right? The people went around looking for who had something, and they came out with these five things. 
Two, learning from Jesus, be careful not to let that situation overwhelm you. Be careful. One thing I found is this. One thing that I found that always worked for me is the ability to laugh in spite of my circumstances. Ability to laugh. Ability to make fun of yourself. You can't, you can't yell me. It doesn't work for me because I would have already made so much fun of myself. There's nothing you're going to say that's going to put me down. Right? And then you try not to carry your problem on your face. You are only solving one problem, not the problem of the world. Just, and then don't listen to people. That's why sometimes people ask me, how are you? I don't want to answer that question. Because the person asking me, how are you? I look at that person from head to toe and I'm wondering, if I tell you how I am, can you help me? And if you can't help me, then what's the point in me telling you how I am? This is not a matter of fine, because I'm not fine. You get my point? When I'm, when I'm hungry and you ask me, how are you? I'll tell you I'm hungry. What can you do? Or you're going to tell me, God bless you. I'll tell you I'm already blessed, because if I'm not blessed, I won't be alive. When I'm broke and you ask me, hey, how are you? I'm going to tell you I'm broke. The next question I expect you to say is, how much do you need? And if you can't say, how much do you need? In my head, I know not to be your friend again because I don't like working with poor people. You see my point? I don't want to work with poor people. So the question in itself is what attitude am I bringing into the situation? What attitude am I bringing into that circumstances for me? So Christ was positive. He was positive. Now, keep that. Now, I'm not trying to preach positive psychology. I'm telling you that your own attitude will determine the outcome of where you get to in your own life. Your attitude says a lot about you. Your attitude determines the kind of questions that you ask. Now be very careful with people. Some people ask very poor questions. And sometimes when somebody asks you a poor question, you look at them. If you answer a poor question, then your answer is going to be a poor answer. And before long, you're going to be a poor person. And when I say poor, I've said that before. Poor is relative. This has nothing to do with money. It's about your attitude. The quality of the question you ask yourself determines the quality of the miracle that God is going to give you. And it's also a function of your own prayer life. There are some very stupid prayer points. Lord, please help me. Lord, is your father. Why would my daughter come and start shouting at me to help her? Doesn't make sense. But if my daughter is asking me for something and she's not clear, I'm going to say, girl, you're confusing me. Get away from my side. Go. When you know what you want, come back. And when the girl comes back and say, uh, Dad, and she's not articulate. Okay, so for example, Dad, I want a run issue. I'm not going to answer that question. And she knows that. All of my kids know that. Why? You didn't tell me the price. You see that? I want a run issue. Now, don't ask me the model or this. I, I don't care those ones because I won't know what you want in the first instance. I won't know those. But you tell me what you need. You tell me what you want, and I'm able to find out for you. But when you really don't know what you want, then how can you go into prayer? And so Christ, looking at those people, saw that, and he was very, very careful. 
Now we're not going to upset this cat. We're going to have to speak to these people. And so the Bible says it was careful, or rather I'm saying to you, you also have to be careful not to allow yourself to be overwhelmed. And the first principle of dealing with problems is this. Sit your problems down. Sit your problems down. Now you can imagine, even though we're not up to 5,000, you can imagine if I'm standing here and all of you are standing in front of me. You know when you are standing with people, that's why some people can't do public speaking. It's so scary. It's not, the public, it's not that you can't speak. It's the people looking at you. That's what makes it scary. But when people are sitting down, what do you do? You look over their head. So Christ had to tell them all, sit down. Sit down so that I can get clarity. How do you sit down your own problem? You actually have to physically sit down yourself and say, what am I really facing? What is it really that I am facing? Listen, when you go to the doctor, what does the doctor do? The doctor diagnoses you, right? But how does the doctor do it? The doctor asks you a question. You may not know this, but you don't just have headache. And every headache you have, every time you point to your head, it tells the doctor something. Do you have headache in the front or the back of your head? The side of your head or the middle of your head? Everywhere you point, say something. Oh, I have stomach upsets. Recently, I had, I had this stomach upset for two weeks. It was crazy. I was in pain for two weeks. And I kind of checked everything I know about stomach upset and medicine. And I find that I just at some point, I said to myself, I've got to see the doctor. And the man, now see, I haven't done all those things. So at that point, I believe I had an infection. I knew I had an infection. The man asked me to stand up. He said, where is it? I showed him. He said, point to this side for me. He just touched me one or two places. He says, is your, is your bladder? Say why? But funny enough, I told him exactly what caused the pain. And I knew exactly what it was. I was so scared of what that was doing to me. You get my point? So if I had not exhausted my own options, I wouldn't have gone to the doctor. And you know the amazing thing? I didn't have to take any medication because once it confirmed what I suspected, it was easy for me to go back home and treat myself. So you tell your problem. You have to know what your own problems are. You have to know. So for example, I need money. How much do you really need? I've even made a budget for your needs. I need a house. What kind of house do you need? I need a car. What kind of a car do you need? You know? People say to me, oh, I don't have friends. I'm like, uh, okay, let's look. Why don't you have friends? What kind of friends do you need? I have different kind of friends. You know, what kind of friends do you really need? I need business. I need to start a business. What kind of business do you want to start? Where do you want to start it? What's your target market? Who is your audience? You have to sit down and itemize that for you. And so Christ did that with them, right? Sit down so that you are not stifled. Sit down so that you are not suffocated. Sit down so that you know what your own problem is. Sit down. This is not the time to keep running, running around. No, 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 no. It's time to sit down. You know one of the things that we don't do anymore that is very exciting? We don't sleep. Oh, I'm sure you're going to be surprised. We don't sleep. And because we don't see, sleep, we're sick, and we have a lot of problems. You know why? Because sleep is God's way of resetting your mind and your brain. 
and your brain is designed to gravitate and gather materials to solve your problem. And if you're not sleeping, your mind is not sleeping. Your body cannot be in tune with the Spirit of God. So Christ told them, sit down. And then in the middle of that, what you start doing is this. Start where you are. Don't worry about what is in front of you. What can you deal with now? In my language, we will say, when trees are falling over each other, you start by lifting the one above. Usually the ones above are the easiest ones to solve. Identify what is within your own control to solve. If you can't buy yourself a Timothy's cup of coffee, don't think of taking somebody to, for, to Timothy's to buy breakfast. Makes no sense. If you can't take your care of yourself, then don't worry about somebody else. Start with you, where you are. So Jesus said to them in John 16, the A part, it says, have the people sit down. And then he took what they had. Remember the story of Elijah and the widow. And this is where obedience becomes very important. Now, obedience is not necessary to somebody. What's your spirit telling you? What's your mind telling you? What's your conscience? Oh, people say to me, oh, something said to me. No, no, it's not something. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. What's he saying to you? Where are you led to go? Jesus took the five loaves of bread and he gave thanks. Have you ever really considered thanking God for the problems you are facing? No, seriously. Oh, Father, I just want to thank you for all the financial problems I have right now. You know why? Satan is going to be so mad. He's going to let you go. If I know you are my enemy or you have something against me, you think I will see you and start dodging. I'm going to come in your presence and be singing, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Now, I'm, only, I'm just going to be careful not to say, I don't care what the devil is going to do, right? Because I'm not going to put more ammunition there. But I can think of so many victory songs. Now, let me pause there. Go with me to the book of uh, Psalm 77. And can you put it together for me? Psalm 77, verses 18 to 20. 77 verses 18 to 20. Your, you, your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Verse 19 says what? Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen. Your path led through the sea. Your path led through the sea. Your way. You know what I'm showing you that? Jesus already saw the angels distributing the food. When they were at the Red Sea, all they saw was the sea. And you know what they're doing? Because of their ignorance. Was there no grave in Egypt that you have brought us here to die? The path 
was already there. God was already standing by that water for them. The same thing is happening to you. I don't care what you're going through right now. I challenge you to look again because it's already waiting for you. The difference is this. Unlike they that complain, you are not permitted to complain. You are going to give thanks for the way it's going to make true for you. And that's what Jesus did. Father, I just thank you. I love, I love when the place the place said, I thank you, Father, because you hear me always. When he said, I am only saying this for their own benefit. And he said, Lazarus, comfort. You can also do the same thing. Your path led through the sea. So when Abraham got to that mountain, back to Genesis 22, don't know what about it. Back in Genesis 22, when Abraham got to that mountain, guess what? That ram was already there. He just didn't see it. Your miracle is already where you are sitting right now. You have just not opened your eyes of faith to see it. And the Bible says, we walk by faith and not by sight. The ram, the ram did not just appear. The ram was already there. God was just waiting for him to demonstrate to the fullness his attitude. Faith is your attitude. And that's why Christ said to them in the book of Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark 9, verse 24, he said, sorry, verse 23, if you can, everything is possible for, to the one who believes. If you can, if you will believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Do you believe? Romans 10, 10 says, For with the mouth, for the mouth will confess, but with the heart will believe. And you can only confess. Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart, speak it for the mouth. So if you don't believe, what are you going to be speaking? And the worst part is this we we'll spend time in prayer. We'll pray so much. I dislike people who spend three hours in prayer. Honestly, I do. I do. Only for you to come out, and within 15 minutes, you just wreck your own prayer with your negative confessions. One of the worst testimonies of this people is that, oh my God, I, I just want to thank God for his good. But you know what? I really didn't believe God is going to do it. So why are you praying to God if you don't believe he's going to do it? Three hours of prayers. Three days of dry fasting. And yet, deep down, you did not believe that God is able to do what he has said he will do concerning you. And yet it says, for with the heart man believes, and with his mouth he confesses. What do you confess? How do you see yourself? Because when you really are confessing your faith, you're going to have the kind of attitude Abraham had. The Lord will make himself a sacrifice. He will provide himself a sacrifice. You will have the kind of attitude that Jesus had. He took the bread. He said, for them, okay, you know what? Get them to sit down. And he took the bread and he gave thanks. That's the winning attitude. Thanksgiving. 
Thanksgiving. I can complain. Complain for all you want. Complain doesn't change it. You can worry for all you like. Worries never solve any problem. Worries never solve any problem. In fact, the easiest way to abort a pregnancy is to worry too much. Just come down. Because worry is anti-faith. And once you get on that path, all the doubt will come to you. Every reason why it cannot be done is what you're going to be saying. And yet, Psalm 77, Psalm 77 verse 19 tells you, you are worrying right now. Here you are worrying. And this is God already waiting for you to do what you are asking him to do. Psalm 91, he will give his angels charge over you, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But you're worried. You're worried. What I'm trying to say this morning is very simple. Whatever the situation that has brought us together this morning, there is divine provision. There is divine deliverance. There is divine breakthrough. God is already ahead of you. God is already ahead of this game. Are you really ready for your own breakthrough? Are you ready? If that boy said, the five globe is mine, I don't want to share. You know, you know kids, right? I'm not sharing, I'm not sharing, I'm not sharing. We won't be talking about him today. If Abraham had said to God, oh no, you don't understand. Remember I showed you about Moses, right? What's that in your hand? Oh my God, it's, it's, just, it's just this dead wood. And God said, throw it down. I don't care what anybody says about you. You are a bundle of talent, a bundle of skills. A bundle of skills. Your breakthrough is in your hand. Your breakthrough is where you are sitting. And he said to him, oh my God, it's just this, you know, this dead wood. And God said to him, throw it down. And he threw his own rod down and ran away from it. Until you throw it. Remember what I said earlier? There are relationships you need to just let go. He had a relationship with that rod for 40 years. And God says, throw it down. That kid had a relationship with his food. He was a dinner. Throw it down. The woman with the, with the, with the, with the, the woman said, I just have this small flour and this olive oil to eat. And then me and my son will eat this food and die. But if she has, and the man said, listen, no, 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 don't do that. First, I think that man was selfish. First, go make food for me. Then whatever is left, you and your son eat. The widow could have said, man of God. But the widow listened. Try it down. Why? Because his path is already there. He's made a way for you already. And the only way you walk in that path is through faith. The only way you get things from God is through your faith. So number one, stop asking yourself, why me? Actually, there's a very simple answer. Why not you? If it's why you, it's simply because, let me not be sarcastic now, 
is because God is depending on you to show forth his glory. One thing people don't understand is God is depending on each of us. Your testimony is going to change somebody's life. Your testimony. The Bible says, Christian eagerly awaits the manifestation of the children of God. Somebody is waiting for you to testify of the goodness of God, and your testimony is the one that's going to actually get them to heaven. Trust me, they're almost dead now. But until you share your testimony with them, their life is not going to be complete. And God is depending on you to be that person. So stop asking, why me? And ask yourself, how can I be better? Number two, don't allow situations to get to you. People are always wondering, I can't do it, I can't afford it. No, no. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but we're going to do this. That's what you should say. Don't get overwhelmed. Number three, start where you are. Just remember that. If you don't remember anything from today, keep Psalm 77 verse 19 in your mind. It's gone ahead of you. It's made a way already. It's made a way already. It's always interesting how God reveals things to us and we don't know God is revealing things to us. It doesn't matter what people are doing against you. God is always going to show you what they are doing if you just look enough. If you take your mind off what anybody is doing at, to you, you will see that God is already revealing his purpose to you. So start where you are. And finally, have a positive attitude. Just have it. I don't care what is happening all around you. Sing that song. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. And just know that God is waiting for you on the other side. And your testimony. You see, when we share our testimony, we're not just sharing our testimony, we're making heavens, the heavens happy. Because once again, the angels are going to go before God and they're going to sing, Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty. And you want the angels to sing because when they sing about what God is doing in your life, then the miracles will continue to flow in your direction. And that's what you want. So walking through your problem this is a matter of your own attitude. Your own attitude. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? What do you think of you? How do you see you? It's a matter of your conception of God. Are you serving a God that is able to do it? Or are you serving a God that is like, is going to take his mind or his time to come to you? But it's your attitude. Remember, with your heart, you believe. With your mouth, you confess. Your confession should be from a place of faith. And faith is an attitude. Faith is an attitude. So I'm challenging you this morning that whatever it is that you're going through right now, remember, you can't see his footsteps, but it's already ahead of the game. Let me end by giving you that example in Jericho, in Numbers. Before Israel went into Jericho, the Bible said that the people of Jericho were so scared of Israel. If Arab said, 
since the day we heard that we are coming out of Egypt, our hearts melted. Isn't that not interesting? But what did Israel say concerning themselves? Oh, we saw giants. And in our own eyes, we were like grasshoppers. Hmm. The people saw themselves as defeated. And yet, Israel saw giants. You know why? Because they were not applying their faith. Your problems are defeated. And you have to march into it. You have to march gallantly with songs of thanksgiving and praise in your heart. In Jesus' name. I want to encourage you this morning. Just, I mean, I don't know which part of that message is spoken to you, but